Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. My name is Bren, if you don't know me. Um, I haven't been around for a while. In fact, I haven't been doing this for a while. The, the church has given me, gave me a, a sabbatical that was wonderful, so I was gone. I haven't been here since June 6, and I don't remember how to do this. So um, one of the things we did on our trip is, on our time off, is we went to Costa Rica, and our kids each had um, a little bit of spending money that they'd earned over time, or some, some family members and some friends that gave them some money and said, hey, you can spend this there. And so you know, you're in a new country, new place, and our kids are learning like what, what to do with their money. And, and my son Judah at four at the time was walking by and every single store had something that he had to have, right? And so I was trying to explain to him like, hey, if you spend it all now, you won't have time over a while. Well, one of the things he really wanted was this little frog. Um, and I, being the awesome dad that I am, the very first time he says it, he's like, hey, you want this? I'm like, dude, you don't want some trinket frog. Like, like let's get something else. Like, let's go, save your money. Find something other than just a trinket frog. Well, um, as you can see, we got the frog, and this is the frog named Trinket. He didn't understand what I was saying, so the whole time he's like, I want a Trinket frog. So he thinks that that's actually what this is called, is a Trinket frog, and didn't understand that. The reason why that's here is I'm probably going to say something stupid or make a mistake. And so what I wanted to do is give all of you guys a visual aid to remember that I've been on break for a long time. So if I say something stupid, I'm just going to point at the Trinket frog, okay? And you guys can all know, oh, that's why. Bren's out of practice. He hasn't figured out how to do this yet. We'll, we'll extend him some grace because he's, he's, he's new in this regard. So that's what the Trinket frog is here for. Um, but I do feel, if I'm honest before we get into it, I feel like the, the, the sabbatical had aged me. Um, but I think in, in reverse, I mean, this is a picture when I first left for sabbatical in June. Um, if it's going to come up, I don't know if it's going to come up. There it is. So, and, and I feel like, I mean, I don't see any gray. I feel like I, like I reversed in age. I didn't realize how much the church was killing me, guys. But I mean, like, seriously. No, this is mascara in my beard. Just, you know, it's still very gray. But I just did that because I thought it'd be funny. Okay. You can take that embarrassing picture. That's not what it looked like. Anyways. Um, thank you. Thank you for all you guys have done over the summer. Thank you for the way that you continue to be the church. Thank you for welcoming new people, welcoming new family members. Thank you for continuing to see the gospel move forward in the lives of others. Thank you for the courage, the ways you stepped up over the summer, the ways that you stepped in and supported the staff, the elders, the, the church as a whole, the way you, you, you cared for each other as a community. Thank you for... The, the amazing individuals that spent time up here this summer teaching from God's word with the same fervent and value and, and, and desire to see people grow that we as a church believe is true when coming to scriptures. Thank you that, that, that John Mitchell and, and Jonathan and, and Derek Hebert and Derek Boris, I didn't mean for those, all those names to be the same like that, and Danny Pellegrini and Aaron Kircher and Terrell and their faithfulness to God's word. It was really wonderful for me to step away knowing that that of all those individuals, other than, than Dr. Voorhees, all those individuals, this is their home church. And they were able to step into this role and, and care for you and lead you in that way. And that's just a, a beautiful, wonderful picture. Thank you for, for those of you that chose to get out and serve your neighbor last week. That was one of the things that the Lord really pressed on me and my family. I'll talk about in a little bit. But I really enjoyed being out with my neighbors, a few of my neighbors last week, and trying to figure out how to show them who Jesus is in a non-confrontational, non-combative, but loving 
and generous way by serving them. So thank you for those of you that partook in that. If you haven't done that yet, it, it, just so you guys know, you don't have to wait for us to say serve your neighbor. You can actually go do that like on a regular basis. Um, I feel like there's many things I want to share. Uh, we normally just teach out of the scripture, just straight in a book, and we're going to be there. We're going to do that next week. I will be in the Gospel of John next week with you. But today, I wanted to share a, a little bit of what the Lord taught me. And today, I specifically wanted to talk about rest, but I realized that's a really difficult task. See, I feel like, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm walking up to the edge of the freeway, which is this church, and being like, hey, hey, you want to let me tell you rest? Oh, okay. well, let, let me tell you about rest. And every single one of you are just ripping by because that's how life is. Getting a three-month break is not a realistic expectation for everyone. I understand that. I see that. I know that. And to say, well, you guys need that to experience what I've experienced is, is, is a fallacy. It can't be true. But for me to stand here and try and tell you guys, here's all the things, here's the five points that I have for rest, and here's what you need to do. I, I, I mean, let's be honest. Most of you would instantly displace that some being, yeah, if I had three months off, I'd be able to do that too, Brent. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to let you in a little bit of what God showed me personally. Um, I want to be really clear. This church has and will never be about me or any individual other than Jesus Christ. So when I share this, it's not to be like, oh, look at what I'm doing. Anything that you see of value in me is Jesus in me. And that's it. But when God teaches one of us something and he does something to us, I feel like it would be a disservice to not share it. And so as a thank you, as a thank you to the church and the sacrifice that you guys made with me being gone for three months, um, I want to thank you by sharing what the Lord showed me, just some of the things, not all of them. We don't have time for that. Although I haven't taught for three months, so I might have a little bit of long-windedness to it. Thank you again. First, uh, first thing I want to say is I, didn't, uh, I went into this sabbatical and rest, and, and I think I even said it from the stage up here, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed the rest. In all honesty, I was like, man, I'm, I don't want to leave. Are you guys having a hard time focusing on me with this, gray, this not gray beard? Is that distracting? Okay, good. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just going to point at that right now. Um, I, I didn't think I needed it, but guys, I couldn't have been more wrong. Man, I could not have been more wrong. Whew. The pace that I was running at was so unsustainable, and dare I say unhealthy. And so for that, forgive me. Forgive me for operating outside of the skills and the strengths that God has given me. Forgive me for operating outside of the rest that is in our God. So I desperately needed it. I didn't realize it until everything was ripped from me. And then it was like, what is this rest thing? Like, okay, like I think all of us think about rest and we know that there's, there's physical rest and there's, there's, okay, I need to like, I'm physically tired, I need to sit down. Well, yeah, okay, check, I needed that. And then there's this mental rest. Like my mind is just exhausted from running over and over and over again. Like I'm sure all of you feel. Okay, yes, check, I need to, I need to work on that. And then there's emotional rest. And guys, I, I don't know if you know this, but the church has been a bit of an emotional wreck over the last few years. Like, I, I mean, it's probably not new but it is seemingly on a, on a spike up. And I was like, yeah, check, I need, I need that. And then ministerially, ministerial, ministry, minist, <laughs> I needed a rest from ministry. There, frog, focus, okay, guys? I needed a rest from that too. And in all that, it wasn't that I needed a rest to take spiritual stuff. This is the hard part about being a pastor, is that everything that I get to do on a daily basis is a gift, it's a joy, it's something that, that without being a pastor, I would love to do as a follower of Jesus. But those things get so mixed up, 
and so tight that it's really hard. So what happens when you're given 45 to 60 hours a week back into your schedule and say, hey, do whatever you want with it? Well, Jen and I fortunately had some really healthy individuals around us before the sabbatical that were kind of coaching us and giving us ideas. And so one of the things that a mentor of mine talked to me about was saying, tip the scales. You need to tip the scales when you're going to rest. So if you're, if you're spending 40 to 60 hours here doing this, yeah, I work more than on Sundays, just so you guys know. Um, if you're spending 40 to 60 hours doing this, then where, you need to tip the scales and put that time into something else. And so for us, that made sense. Okay, it's, it's family. Like, I should tip the scale. If I'm spending 40 to 60 hours a week in work, then I should tip the scales and, and, and drive that into family and find ways to, to snuggle and play and, and in vacation, adventure, and, and to train up a child and to expend time with my kids and my wife and, and, and love on them. And that should be a normal tip scale. But then for me as a pastor, part of my walk with the Lord is that I have to spend, I have to, I get to spend time in the Word every single week trying to discern what the Lord would have us say here. And I will tell you this, as a pastor, if you've ever done it, or anyone that's taught, you can ask anyone that taught over the summer, it kind of tends to un unintentionally rob your actual time with the Lord. If I'm spending so much time trying to get ready for what to say today in hopes that I don't drastically mess it up or send someone leading astray and, and, and I cover and I, and I spend the time in the Word that I believe I, I desire and, and should do in this role, unintentionally at times it can be like I'm reading God's Word in hopes that you will get something from it and forgetting that He needs to speak to me. So we took the scale. So I decided, well, in my reading time, I've always read. I love to read. I love, I love reading. I enjoy it, but not necessarily novels. So this time I, I gave myself novel time. I said, I'm going to spend some time novel. Like some of you are like, oh, yeah, about time. Good job, books. No. But I, you know what I did is I tipped the scales. I removed myself the time that I spent reading anything news-related. I removed myself time that I spent reading anything social media-related. I wasn't reading blogs, posts, articles that on a regular basis are sent to me as one of your pastors and, hey, where does this sit with scriptural truth? And I wasn't reading, um, and I wasn't reading um, scripture with the intent to teach it. And so how I tip the scales, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to look at those things. And I'm just going to give that time to reading scripture and scripture alone. And not, not let myself, and if it takes me somewhere else, that's great. And I read some wonderful novels, and that's, that's awesome too. But I'm not going to let myself run down these things. And I'm not going to let myself listen to podcasts because I listen to them all the time. And I'm not going to let myself do any of those things. And all I'm going to do, not that any of these things are bad, but I needed to tip the scales to figure out what it meant to just be with God and not hear about him from everyone else all the time. And so I tip the scales that way. I only let myself read scripture and study scripture and theology for fun. And I, I'll tell you right now, and I've talked to a few of you, uh, an untethered Bren is a scary person because I love to learn. I learned about the most random stuff that I don't think I'll ever teach before, but just was so fun, so fun. And then my prayer life was one of the biggest felt changes, and I'll talk about that a little bit in a second. In doing this, I was able to re refine my source of rest. And I think that's the issue that all of us have, me included, is that, is that we would know that rest comes from the Lord. We would know that, that we are to rest, and we should have a healthy rhythm, not a legalistic rhythm of, of Sabbath rest in our life. And all of us know that. In fact, if I said, who here wants more rest? Everyone's hand would go up. But then we continue to go without it. We continue to go without it, and we continue to go without it. And what happened when I spent some time alone 
spend some time un, with zero expectations and responsibilities other than my family. I, I, I fell back in love with the source of rest. Psalm 46 says it this way. We, we didn't get a lot of slides, so you're just going to have to hear it, maybe go back to it. Psalm 46.10 says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. And what's interesting about this text is it comes, if you look at the beginning of the, the, the Psalm 46, the psalmist is talking about like, he's giving the most vivid and, and harshest of visuals of what's going on around him, earthquakes and the sea and everything's just falling apart. And what does he say? He says, be still and know that I'm God. He doesn't say run really fast and go fix this or try these things. He just says, be still and know that I'm God. It's interesting if you look at Jesus's life, which I spent a lot of time over the summer doing, and it's, it's, it's both very convicting on how much of my life doesn't look like his still. And, um, but when you look at it, he always took time to stop, to rest. And we see in, in Luke, you know, he would, he would say, it's time to get away and go binge watch TikTok or, or, or YouTube to rest. No, we didn't do that. And he said, I, need, I just need to rest, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send myself on a vacation to the other side of the world. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. He said, I just need to get away and be with God. And see, I think the problem is, is we run so fast that our only rest is a version of stepping out physically or a version of stepping out mentally, and we don't recognize that we're supposed to be stepping out in all of that and staying connected to the source, our source of rest, who is God. It was interesting, actually, when my sabbatical first started, it wasn't in Costa Rica so much because that was just like a, a fake world in my mind because it was so restful <laughs> and awesome. But um, when we got back, I felt like every day I woke up going, okay, what am I going to do today to make the most of my rest? What am I, do you hear the, 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 the illogical, like, what was wrong with me? Like, what am I going to do to make sure that I rest well? And it's like, no, like, I think that's, that's a lie. That, like, what if I didn't do anything? And like, don't get me wrong, like, there's plenty of things we did. But what if I, what if I just said, Lord, I just want to sit with you? And as you can imagine, making these changes began some immediate and gradual changes in me that I hope will continue to shift and change in my life. I can't, I can't guarantee that. I can't promise that. I also understand one of the reasons why I've been so nervous about coming back is I don't want what the Lord has shown us to go away when I put work back in. But many things... Many things came to me. And so I just want to share these with you, not as a, hey, look at what I'm doing, but a, hey, look at what God can do when we give him the space to do it in our lives. And if, if you leave today, I have a little bit of an application for us that you may or may not like, but that's okay. Um, but if you leave today and, and all you hear is like, oh, Bren, you're so awesome, please don't. That's not the point. If you leave today recognizing like, man, maybe I need to find a way to put this into my life some more than that, that's where I feel like we've landed. And again, Next week, we'll, we'll dig right into John 12. I'm super excited about it. But here's a few of the fruit that the Lord has begun to accomplish in my life over the summer. The first one, and this is, I think, should be obvious, and, and I want to be really clear in all of these, it wasn't that um, they were completely non-existent in my life before sabbatical, and now they are existent. It's that I feel like the Lord has brought them into a healthier existence or a healthier priority in my life. So don't hear this as if it was not happening <laughs> And now it is happening. But I fell more in love with my family and my wife and my kids. I loved them. Loved them, guys. But I, if I'm honest, I know they know that I love them. But if you looked at my availability, both mentally and physically in their lives, one could question that by the time that was spent. Like, you could question it. You really could. I love my wife. We have, like, I love her. And we still were going on dates, but it really felt like 
We were dropping the date, like literally jumping on the freeway to jump, date, did, uh, get back on. We whew, almost missed it, and we would have caught the 5 o'clock traffic. But I fell more in love with my family. So much so, it's really weird, actually. I found myself multiple times, like, sad during these first few weeks back at work. I'd just call them and say, hey, I miss you. Do you ever, do you ever miss your, your kids? Do you ever miss your, your spouse? And I'm not just talking about when you leave for vacation or when you leave to go out of work out of town. Do you, do you miss them during the day? Because that's a question I can't, I, I can't, I don't know if I did before. But the time was really, really wonderful. And if you are anyone that's ever had parents or had struggled with parents or grown up as a kid, so basically all of you, you recognize the value that is presence in your parents. Just being present. And I can think of the amazing conversations that I have with my kids. If you spend any time around my kids, they ask really hard questions. And it's always a lot of, I just have no idea how to answer that question. But I felt like a lot of times my answers to them were like, oh, here's a, mm, I'll throw you a bone. Okay, good. Now I got to get back to real life. And it was fun to just sit in those conversations for like days with some of my kids. Hey, let's go back to that. This does, like, that's a hard question. Let's, let's talk about that some more. Like being present and, and doing those things. And as you can imagine, our relationships began to change you know, as, as a family. And I, there, was a, there was a time we were in Costa Rica. Actually, Jesse, who's here, was with us, and he can vouch for the story. It's true. We met this individual named Ray. His name was harder to say, so he just gave us Ray. Um, but he comes up to us after we're in a restaurant, and he walks up to us and says, hey, um, you're doing a really good job with your kids. And I'll be honest, the cynical Bren's like, uh-oh, <laughs> What were they doing that then they fixed? Or what, you know, what, what was going on? And he didn't talk about their behavior. He didn't talk about, like, oh, they just sit up so well. And they, look, they eat like little, little gentlemen and ladies. And like, none of that stuff. It wasn't like, oh, they're not running around ragged. You know what he said? He said, every time I walked by, one of your kids looked me in the eyes and smiled. And he said, here I am, a Costa Rican, a Tico is the word they say. You're in my country. You have no reason to give me any time, but yet your kids looked at me. He said, whatever you're doing, you're teaching something to them that is so valuable to see people as people. Now, I would love to say that I've heard that story before, Costa Rica. And I've heard lots of people talk about our kids, but I don't, I don't know if I've ever had many of those stories. And, and part of that that, that that bugs me is that... Um, my wife, brilliantly, after they left, and Jesse and all of us, we were talking. Um, my wife's like, you know, that was, we went to church there, and the pastor taught about the aroma of Christ. And Jen says, that was the aroma of Christ that he saw. It wasn't, it wasn't our kids being well-behaved. It wasn't because, oh, good, Bren's off, and you can focus on him. No, it's that we actually had space to live as the aroma of Christ. And, and I will confess to you, as one of your pastors, my kids and my family have not had much time with people in this world because I've been too busy inside the church. And that has just got to shift. That's got to shift some. And I'm not saying I'm going to, like, I'm done with all of you church people. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, that is a role that I, I hold very near and dear to my, to my life and I'm excited about as one of your shepherds. But how many of us are missing opportunities for people to experience the aroma of Christ because we just don't have time to spend time with them? We just don't have time to do it. So I fell more in love with my family. Um, but don't worry, I, I, I still, like, they still drive me nuts, and we still fight, and I had a lot of really good moments. I can share a really terrible fail when I have more time somewhere else if you want to. I just failed my kids. It was me yelling, and yeah, anyways. 
um, in Costa Rica of all places too. But uh, the second thing I, uh, the Lord showed me is I, I came to, um, I came to enjoy His Word more than I ever have. And it's interesting to say that because I feel like I like I read the Bible every year. I love it, and it's not just a checkbox thing. Like I feel like I'm I love Scripture, but I feel like if I'm honest with you, I felt like um, for the last couple of years I was going to Scripture in hopes to keep someone from going off the deep end with some kind of bit of wisdom, as opposed to just going to Scripture to be with God. And so I fell in love with Scripture. Like, it was just like every word is alive and enjoyable, and it's like, this is so good. And then I'd be like, that makes no sense. Cool, let's figure out why. And then I'd go, I don't know, but I still love God. I fell in love with Scripture. And my mind was free to go and get lost in who he is. I don't know if you've ever had that time or not, if you give yourself space or freedom to just get lost. Or is it the next devotion and the next Bible study and the next theology and the next this, 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 this? Or if you just fall in love with it. And Romans 15.4 comes to mind. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. And what was interesting to me as I, as I dug into scriptures more just for enjoyment, just like untethered brain is kind of dangerous. Like I said, I study a lot of random, <laughs> random things. But as I did it, I, I realized something that happened. The more... I went to, to the scriptures to know God for who he is, the more I saw my life not lining up to the man that I'm supposed to be as a follower of Jesus. Now that may sound shame-filled, but hear me on this. The more I know God, the more I want to be like him. And the more I see this as his words for truth and instruction and hope, then I want to live the way that these words ask of me. And so I got in this really interesting spot of almost like, wow, I'm, I'm discontent with where I am but so excited with the fact that I'm aware of it and he's taking me somewhere. And it was really wonderful. I think too often, we as a church, me specifically, if I'm doing this, uh, maybe you have a different version of it, but I think too often we are storing up wisdom and knowledge and not living it out practically with the people around us. And man, we are smart and we can win arguments. But the fruit of doing the word, like James says, just seems to fall short very quickly. The third thing, and this one's going to sound weird to say, so please hear me on this. I, <laughs> my prayer life. Um, I, I feel like the best way I can describe prayer, so I have a big pet peeve, so know this, you're gonna, you guys can know this is free for you, okay? Don't say you're going to pray for someone and not pray for them. Like, I've been like, I was confronted in a really beautiful way by that years ago. And so if I say I'm praying for you, I promise you I will at least pray for you once. That will happen. Because I don't want to be the guy that says I'm praying for you and not praying for you. And what happened when I left on sabbatical, um, I got disconnected from all of you in a lot of ways. And, and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but I think I got my prayer life back. I spent more time just sitting with God as opposed to praying to him about other people. And, and please hear me on this. Please hear me on this. I love to pray for you. I love to pray for you. There is power in prayer. There is value in prayer. I enjoy praying for you. But my life was oriented in such a way that I only had so much time to pray. And so I was praying for all of you and never once stopping to listen. 
You know, in James uh, 5, 13 through 18, you can go there and read it before. He, he lays out this laundry list of do's and don'ts. This is what you should do, and this is what you don't should do. And if you're reading it, you can kind of feel like, oh, 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 like, okay, thanks, James, I suck. I'm not doing all of this stuff. And then he turns this corner in, th- in verse 13, and he, and he starts talking about prayer. And it's interesting because he's, he's told us this whole laundry list of things to do, but then he says, hey, one thing you need to do before you're doing those things, during you're doing those things, and at, and at the end of those things is, is prayer. And he talks about prayer in a way that the way I read that scripture, it's like, it's like breathing. And I think in a lot of ways, if I were telling you if you wanted to get super fit and say eat all these healthy things and, and work out and, and do all these other things, but you're holding your breath the whole time, it's not going to go very well for you. Well, I think spiritually that that is what I was doing. I was exhaling and never breathing in. And don't get me wrong, the exhale is beautiful. I saw powerful things happen, not because I'm praying, but because God is good. But I never took time to just breathe in. And so I, I gained my prayer life back. And, and I will tell you, I did pray for a number of you over the summer. Anytime my mind goes to someone, I pray for them. That's a discipline that I've always had. But it was so nice to sit down at a time in prayer or just to start praying without it being an official time of prayer because I had the freedom in my schedule to do so. And to be like, I got nothing. I don't know who to pray for. All right, God, speak to me. Let me at least just listen to you. Let me hear what you have to say. Let me breathe in for once so that while I'm breathing out, I'm breathing out not myself but the Spirit of God into people. Our spiritual life is dependent on our story intersecting with God. And that's us breathing him in and out through prayer. We can't hold our breath. So now uh, many people have asked me, and I'll keep moving here, but many people have asked me that, um, are you excited to be back? And I honestly told them, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm excited to be back. Because um, I don't want to lose what he's done when I put work back in. And so, forgive that honesty. I'm excited to, to do what God has commanded me to do. I have a new um, fervor and, and, and thoughts, all kinds of crazy thoughts that I feel like the Lord is going to maybe work into our life as a church, and I'm excited to be here. But I'm really reticent because I don't want my kids to lose me. And I don't want my... Um, I don't want to be distant from my God while doing work for him. Doesn't make sense. Is my mascara running? Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> which brings me to the last point, which maybe this will be fun, and maybe I don't know how to, to communicate it, and it's still very new to me. Um, I think when you have spent time with the Lord, it's interesting how he has more of your attention. And, and it's not that he's speaking louder, it's that I think I'm listening better, <laughs> because I think he's always speaking to us. Um, And I feel like one of the things the Lord did for me during this time is something I want to encourage all of you with to do. Um, I felt like the Lord kind of kicked me in the behind a little bit, like like that's a nice PC way to say that up here, but I felt like he gave me a good little smack. But what's interesting is when he smacked me with what he smacked me with, I felt like I fell into his arms. So it was like, whoa, what is this? And um, I felt like he, he gave me a good hit, and it wasn't a how dare you or a shameful smack, but it was like, hey, Brent, I'm going to, since I got your attention, let me show you more of me, and let me show you what, 
what, what you with more of me in you looks like. And I saw this, this picture of who I could be, not because of my work or because of what I do, but because of who he is in me. And when I was falling down, like, oh my gosh, wanting to wallow in shame with this revelation, I felt like Jesus was holding me and saying, I'm right here. I don't love you the same. My grace is sufficient for you, even when you mess it up. Even when you run forever without breathing me in, don't worry, I love you. My love is not contingent on what you do or don't do. It's based on what I did on the cross. But I felt like he kicked me a little bit on this and then showed me and showered me with his all-sufficient grace. See, I think um, one of the things that we were able to do is, is, is see just the church as a whole. And so... I don't say this as a, uh, a moment of, of condemnation to you or myself, but I want to just share what the Lord showed me. I feel like I spent the last two years as one of your pastors spending all of my energy, time, and resources trying to get kids to stop fighting over a specific toy. And I was, I was mortified because I was like, Where's the, where are the new, new believers Where's the, where's the discipleship? Where's, the, where's the, the feeding the least of these? Where's the, where's the things that Jesus goes into all over in his life? And I feel like as myself, and maybe if you, you please hear this, please do not feel this as me condemning you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, please do not squirm out from underneath and just sit, remain under, and let him have his work with you. But I feel like, as a church, we lost the aroma of Christ. I lost the aroma of Christ. And I justified, in my mind, a valuable thing that I think God has given me to do, which is to be one of your shepherds. And as one of your shepherds, what I did is I spent more and more and more and more and more time with individuals and people because I love you, thinking that I was going to change you, which I had accidentally believed the lie that I was God. And I'm just not. I'm a terrible God. And I have no business being there. But we lost the Roman Christ. I have uh, five neighbors that live directly in our proximity. And I know all their names. And they're all in their late 80s. But I didn't know if they knew Jesus. As a Christian, that should bother me. I carry the hope of the world in Jesus Christ. And I've got late 80s neighbors that I had no idea if they knew Jesus. Now I know some have, we've spent some time with them. And I think what's happened is as a church, we've, um, as individuals, we've picked a thing to make the thing. And they're good things. Maybe it's discipleship for you. Maybe it's a, a studying a specific theology or maybe it's just social justice. So we, we pick these things that are true of who God is and we make them the thing and then we ignore everything else. You know, you know what that looks like, Lord, where the, where the hit, look, you know who else was really good at making it about one thing but forgetting a bunch of other things? The Pharisees. They were fantastic at it. And you know what's even crazier if you think about it? The Pharisees, their desire was to honor God. Their desire was to honor God. They wanted to honor God by making sure that no one fell short of it, and it became about that, and they lost everything else. And I think we as a church, guys, we, we've lost that. I've lost that. This is not a condemnation. This is not a, how dare you? Please do not hear it that way. If you're hearing it that way, please forgive me. That is not my intent. But have you ever noticed um, 
what you give your time to ultimately will be what you become more of. It's just, it's just true. Like if I do anything 15 minutes a day for 15 minutes a day for consistency, like at some point I'm either going to stop doing it or that's just going to become part of me and that's what I'm going to do. Think about this. I, I like to look at people like you can tell someone that who hikes, who's a hiker, right? Because if someone that's getting into hiking, they dress like me and they go out on the hike and it's like, oh, that did not work out well, right? And then, and then pretty soon they buy the, you know, the right hiking pants, and then they got the hiking boots, and then pretty soon they're wearing the hiking gear every day of the week, and it's like they're just ready to go for a hike, right? Like, that happens. You, you, you become that. If there's a hobby, if there's something you value, you want to learn, you spend time learning it. You watch the YouTube. You read the books. You ask the friends. You spend the time. We do this on repeat over and over and over again, and it's not that any of that's bad. Do your hobbies. Hike. Run for fun if you're like that. That's weird, Right? <laughs> But do those things, that's great. Read, read books, enjoy those things. It's not that we aren't. In fact, that's a grace that God has given us. However, the question I would ask you and the application I'll give every single one of you is what aroma are you emitting? Not, hey, did you bathe this morning? I'm not calling any out, okay? But what aroma are you emitting? Do people see you in whatever you're doing and they experience the aroma of Christ like it says in Galatians? I'll read this for you. Or, sorry, frog. Um, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing should be seen, feeling the aroma of Christ in us. So shouldn't this be true of us? So my question for you, I jokingly put a thing on Facebook last week, and I'm not going to be on Facebook much longer just so you guys know, but um, like anyone cared, but... Um, <laughs> Um, I put this question out and said, if you had 45 extra minutes in a 24-hour day, like 45 minutes plus 24, so like 24 hours, 45 minutes, what would you do, but you had to do it every single day? And I mean, tons of people put all kinds of things, like read and run, all these great things. And then I, like, that was literally all I planned on doing. I was just curious because I was wondering, like, what would it take to convince you guys here to spend 45 minutes more of your day with the Lord? And, and I, 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 I'd be willing to bet something, guys. I'd be willing to bet that if I asked every single one of you, every single one of you would raise your hand and say, yeah, I want more time with the Lord. I don't think it's a desire issue. And I don't think it's just a discipline issue either. Although I think many of us could do a lot with discipline. Like, I guarantee you waste more than 45 minutes a day. I did. I guarantee it. And, and maybe you're doing things that aren't necessarily sin, but are they beneficial? And so what would it take for you to spend 45 minutes more with the Lord every day? Time in prayer. Time that you stopped. Time that you did not let move. Time that you held not legalistically, but because you valued it so much that even if it got bumped because of something that had to happen, you'd make sure it happened at another point because you valued that time so much. And here's the thing. I promise you this. I promise you, promise you this. You can't not be changed by spending time with God. You can't not be changed. It's interesting. If you want to well yourself up in fear and anxiety, just keep reading the headlines, guys. I promise it'll help. Just keep doing it. Just keep feeding that monster. You want to you you start fighting some more, just, just dig your heels into a side somewhere instead of the kingdom of God. We have work to do as a church, and I know that sounds weird. People are like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be about rest, and now you're telling me work. Which one is it, Bren? 
Well, Jesus confuses this knot out of me too because he says, come and get rest. And then he says, hey, the way is narrow and hard. <laughs> and only a few find it. And the scripture's like, work out your salvation every day. So yeah, there's work. Even in the, gar- even in the resurrection, there's work, there's gardens. Maybe there's, I don't know how that looks, but there's gonna be work. So it's not that this is it. And this is the truth that the Lord gave me and then I'll end and I promise I won't go forever. But this is the truth the Lord gave me. I can't believe that what he allowed me to experience for the last three months is impossible for me to have in my life the way that he has given me. So that means that things have to shift and change. And so, that, so I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you as one of your pastors, if you'll let me, if you'll let me walk with you and pray for you, which I would love to do. Will you give yourself more to Christ and less to this world? We are in this world and that is not going to change. But we are not of this world. So will you give yourself to the Lord? Now, if you're sitting here going, great, I'm going to screw up. I've messed up everything, and I, just, I feel so beat up, and all these different things. I, I, I'm telling you right now that it's a lie from the enemy. Stop. God loves you the way you are. He loved you before you even came to him, before you knew him. He went to the cross while you were at your worst. Why don't we believe that now? Why don't we believe that amidst our, our absolute atrocities and the way that we've bailed on him throughout the last couple of years and the mistakes that we made. Why do we assume that he doesn't still love us? There's nowhere in scripture that that's true. I want you to fall in love with him again in a way that you're enamored with him. He's not just a means to an end. He's not just a means to win a conversation. He's not just a means to, to make you feel good about whatever theology that you can hide behind so that you don't have to engage in this because it's just too exhausting to even think about it. I want you to fall in love with him in a way that you're, you're not going to go through the motions anymore. When you open scripture, it's like, ah, oh, he's preserved, preserved this for me. He's speaking to me. He cares about me. And then recognize, if he loves you that way, there are so many people that need that love. And we are the church. Church, we're the church. And I will tell you right now, the church is a bit of a mess right now but it's still resting. God's promise that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand in the way. So we get to partake in that. So we have work to do as a church. And some of it comes from us doing the things we're doing, fighting for our liberties, if that's where you feel like you do it, but don't do it sans the aroma of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe that means that we spend more time trying to engage in whatever social justice it is, but we don't do it while forsaking the word of God and asking where he's leading us or running from community. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned that if you were honest with people right now and they said, what's the priority in your life? I don't know, at least for me, if they would say Christ was it. And that may it not be so. Let me tell you... Um, why I sacrificed time with the Lord and my family. I can't speak for all of you, but I did this because I believe the lie that if I could just spend a little bit more time with someone, I could keep them from touching the hot stove. And it was birthed out of a genuine heart. I think that's what you want from your shepherd, someone that's willing to, to lead you in that way. But it, it went beyond, and I went, I'm sorry, Jen, I gotta go help this person. One more meeting will help convince them. I'm sorry, kids. I know I'd love to spend some time with you and tuck you in tonight, but I'll see you tomorrow, I guess. And I'm not saying that to feel bad for me. That's, that was my choice. It's not what God was like, hey, Bren, this is what I need you to do. No, I did it because of that. See, but the whole time I wanted, I wanted more with God. I wanted to be with my family. 
And I believe all of you are the same. You're not spending time with God because of, and here's some ideas. I'm gonna let you pray through. You can go back to the prayer room to get pray for it, prayer for it as well. But the reason why you're not doing it, because of fear. You have some fear that if you don't do what you're doing or you do continue to do it, something will happen that you have control over. You, you have some fear that's, that's driving you to do certain things. And, and if you're right now thinking about someone else's fear, stop it. Stop it. Don't fall prey to that trap. Let him speak to you. There's a fear. There's a fear that if you don't do this, you know, here's, here's some examples. Uh, parents, you're like, if I don't do this with my kids, they'll, they'll, they'll turn up and mess up. So guess what? God's in charge of your kids and cares more about them than you do. Some of you are like, well, I have to work this hard right now because if I don't do this, then I won't get that promotion. No, you get the promotion because God wants you to get the promotion. Or some of you, you're, um, you're telling yourself lies or believing lies like I was. I told myself a lie that I could spend a little bit more time with them and, they'd fix, and it would work and we'd, it'd be good and everything would be great. And I wasn't doing it so they'd be like, oh, Bren, you're awesome. I genuinely went into it going, I don't want to see them go because the what if, if they do this and this and this, they'll end up here. I don't know that. Only God does. You're believing lies. Um, maybe it's anxiety or people pleasing or idolatry or unconfessed sin or lack of contentment or gratitude. That's one I swear all of us need to look at. If we had a little bit more contentment, I don't think we'd be running as hard as we are for some of the things we're running for. I asked all of you before I left to take a day over the summer. Show of hands, who did it? Of rest. Just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Don't. I asked all of you to do it. I said, no technology, no Netflix. Just, just disconnect. White calendar day. Spend it with the Lord. I'm going to ask you again to do that. I'm going to ask you to, to do it every day. And you don't need to put up on social media, hey, it's my whiteboard time. No, like, just don't. Just, just, just do it, okay? Go be with the Lord. And spend time with him and watch as he works in your heart because he's so faithful. We're going to take some communion here and the band's going to come up. We're going to sing um, and worship him. Uh, communion's a beautiful reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and um, what he accomplishes for us. Um, and it's meant, to, it's, it's meant to be done in a communal way. And the, the band, you guys can come on up. That's great. Um, it's meant to be done in a communal way, and that's awesome. But um, I want to kind of just focus a little bit individually on it for a second. See, I think what happens to the Lord's Supper in the church unintentionally, just like scripture, just like prayer, just like gospel communities, just like anything else, is they become ritualistic to a point of mundane. And we just go through the motions. It's kind of, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. And don't get me wrong, I think there's, there's value in being disciplined to doing that which you're supposed to do even when you don't feel it. I do think there's value in that. But I think we can tend to forget that there's mundane. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, and I love this, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And then he goes on and says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest, hear, hear this, for your souls. You will find rest for your souls and my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's what he's saying. He's saying your salvation is easy and the burden is light. The rest for your souls is in being saved by him and not having the heavy burden at this time of the Pharisees and the religious system saying, this is what you have to do to be saved. He said, no, 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 come to me and your salvation and I will give you rest for your souls. And then those of us that are followers of Jesus should be coming to the table saying, taking of his blood and his body representing, representing that, representing, sorry, frog. Okay, representing that. 
We should be coming to that going, I have a soul of rest. This life is going to be chaotic. The psalmist said at the beginning that earthquakes and the sea and all that stuff, but be still and know that I am God. So it's rest. Rest for your souls. So when you, when you, when you go to communion, don't go to it in a, in a way of, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to, and that's what we do. And don't, by any means, and we say this on a regular basis, don't do it if you have in your heart uh, uh, you have something against your brother or some strife or enmity going on with your brother in Christ where there's division there, then by all means, go first and be reconciled. Don't make a mockery of that which he has done for us. But when you come to it, guys, come to it, no matter how chaotic this week is going to be for you, no matter how hard it's going to be, no matter how many of us will get that one phone call that we don't want to hear, no matter what is thrown our way, our souls are at rest in Jesus Christ. So why don't we live out of that? Why don't we live in, in light of that, that our soul is at rest? We don't have to run a thousand miles an hour to please a God. He's pleasing us because of Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry or feel shame like, oh, Brent told me all these things he's doing and, and now you're not because I feel, I guarantee three months from now you can check in with me. I'll be like, oops, oops, oops. Like, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your grace. We don't have to worry about that because our souls are at rest. And so we're going to sing a song, um, Simplicity. I asked them to sing the song specifically because of the lyrics. And I, I, this may be a prayer for you, but um, I, I want to say it this way. We find rest before, sorry, before I get in there, frog. Um, we find rest for our souls. The representation of Jesus' body and blood is a constant reminder that no matter how chaotic these vapor of lives that we live are, our souls are at rest. Deep, satisfying, beautiful rest. Why not operate more in that than what the world wants us to operate in? Jeremiah 6, 16 says this. God says, come to him and he will find rest for your souls. The song Simplicity has a line. It says, Lord, strip it all away till only you remain. I'm coming back to my first love, only you. Maybe today you can let that be a prayer for you. And if you're not there, don't, don't fake it. You're not winning any points with anyone. Don't, don't say, Lord, strip it all away while you're clinging to everything. Don't make a, in your mind right now, let's say, you know, I'm going to get off the headlines and I'm going to read more. That's great. Make that declaration, but, but put an action into it. Don't, don't borrow with God like, okay, God, forgive me for this. I'll start doing this more so you can love me because he already loves you. But maybe let this be a prayer. And if you need prayer, there, there are people back in the prayer room that love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. You can, during the song, grab your communion. I'll come back up and we'll lead you in elements right trying to learn how we're doing this again. So we'll do that in just a second. God, thank you for um, what you have done in my life. Forgive me for being so stubborn to learn it and taking so long to learn some of these elementary principles that you've been so graciously telling me for years. God, as uh, people, as your children, um, I, I rest in the fact that no matter what I don't do or I do do that's wrong, your grace is sufficient. God, may we be a people that operate out of the rest of our souls. May we be a people that, that are tied to community in a way that we can speak restful things into each other. May it not be something we laugh at when someone says, hey, I think you just need to have some silence with the Lord. God, would you strip away all distractions? And not as a way to stick our head in the sand and pretend like the world doesn't exist, but in a way that they lose their priority and their hold over us. And you and you alone, God, are our priority. 
We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue 